The independent investigation has concluded that Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. I think he thinks he still may have some sleight of hand here. I think he should resign. Just get the hell out of the way. That is just not who I am. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to The Debrief Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Russo, filling in for David Ushery. Turmoil in Albany as the pressure mounts to a boiling point for Governor Andrew Cuomo to step down. This after a report by Attorney General Letitia James found Governor Cuomo broke laws and that 11 women were credible in their allegations of sexual harassment. Friday afternoon, though, there was pushback from the governor's legal team, citing discrepancies in the stories of some of the governor's accusers and accusing the attorney general's office of willful ignorance, failing to dig deep enough to corroborate some of those claims. We'll start today with a look at that pushback from News 4's Jonathan Deanst. Is it possible Governor Cuomo could soon have to surrender to have his fingerprints and mugshot taken? The chances increase today after an executive assistant, whose name is not public, officially filed a criminal complaint with the Albany County Sheriff. The woman says the governor groped her in the executive mansion after asking her to come help fix a phone, a groping allegation the attorney general's investigators said was credible. The governor denies any wrongdoing, and his lawyer spoke out today. This woman's story, which is stated as fact in the report, is false. Cuomo's attorney, Rita Glavin, has offered a timeline of some of what happened over several hours that day in the executive mansion. She was there to work on a speech, not to fix a phone. Cuomo's defense part of a Zoom call today to try to discredit some of the attorney general's findings. There has been no open-minded fact-finding in this case. Attorney Glavin said the governor will soon respond to allegations from a female state trooper who says after briefly meeting the governor, she was suddenly reassigned to a security detail and later harassed. Glavin says Cuomo denies wrongdoing and merely wanted diversity on his detail. He liked that she was assertive with him in the conversation. And then he asked one of the troopers he knows about her, and they said, yeah, she's excellent. The attorneys today again tried to counter claims by accuser Lindsay Boylan that she was unfairly retaliated against after stepping forward. She was leading the public to believe a false story, that she left because of sexual harassment and a bad work environment, when in fact she left after being confronted with a number of complaints but the lawyers did not address specific claims made by all 11 of the governor's accusers, claims found credible by the attorney general's investigators. This, as a new poll shows, 70% of New Yorkers want Cuomo to resign, just 25% disagree. 57% of Democrats, 88% of Republicans, and 76% of independents support resignation. This story is developing hour by hour, with one accuser on Friday filing a criminal complaint against the governor. Albany lawmakers, including Governor Cuomo's fellow Democrats, 
have been calling for swift action, with impeachment by the Assembly looking highly likely if he doesn't leave on his own. The governor's legal team has until Friday the 13th to submit a response to the state Assembly, and the governor's team has indicated they are going to stand firm and defend the governor. We spoke earlier with former city council speaker Christine Quinn, who's been one of Cuomo's highest-profile supporters on women's issues until now. Christine Quinn, thank you so much for being here. In addition to having worked as a senior advisor to Governor Andrew Cuomo, you also serve as the vice chair of the New York State Democratic Party. Has the governor consulted you personally for advice in recent months as he tries to navigate this situation? No, he has not. I've not heard from him since uh, any of this. Uh, although I, I had a very close relationship with, with the governor for a long time and a relationship that, quite frankly, now leads me to feel, you know, even more disappointed, I think, than most New Yorkers and to feel completely misled. You know, that said, his inner circle is really always been small and tight. And I think that's evidenced by, you know, no one having reached out. And not that I would have been helpful, but to me, it was noticeable that they were really must be kind of in the foxhole together. So from where you've been sitting throughout this story as it's unfolded, bring us a little bit inside the thought process within the state Democratic Party, where you've moved from the, a governor who was very powerful, essentially controlling this party, to the leaders, yourself and Jay Jacobs, the state Democratic Party chairman, demanding his resignation in recent days. Many of the allegations in the attorney general's report were already public. So what was the turning point in that process? and? What process did uh, the state Democratic Party use to decide when when it was time to to switch gears? Well, you know, I think uh, it's important to note that Jay and myself, we're both speaking for ourselves as opposed to for the party. That said, I have no doubt that if you polled, if Jay and I polled tomorrow, the members of the state party, the state committee members, if you will, that there would be strong, if not unanimous support for resignation. You know, I think many of us, I put out a statement in the beginning of this saying that there needed to be an aggressive and thorough and transparent hearing into this matter. There was, and it was released this week by the attorney general and her office, and it was devastating. I mean, top lawyers in this field with renowned reputations, substantiated, not one, not five, not seven, 11 women's reports. And we now hear about a state trooper who was harassed on multiple occasions, and she was brought into the unit against, not her fault, against the rules of the state trooper. Troopers. I think that for many people was just, you know, shocking. It also advanced the conversation, right? Because no, seeing that there was a, uh, there were a couple of new women coming forward in this report. But truthfully, I mean, a lot of the women appeared credible even before this report uh, took place. So I guess what I wonder is, was there ever really a time in recent months where you or your fellow party leaders thought? that there was a possibility that these women could be, as the governor suggests, either politically motivated or completely misinterpreting his actions? Or, or did you already sort of know how this was going to go down? You know, I, th I think it was complicated because if someone that you know a long time is someone that you're 
uh, professionally close to, maybe even personally friendly with, is accused of having done horrible things, horrible sexual harassing things. I mean, you know, from my perspective as a feminist, you believe the woman, you believe the accuser, but somewhere in your heart, you don't want your friend to have done this terrible thing. You want, you know, it's it somehow to have been some big mistake, even though in the first phases of this, the evidence was already daunting so many women that you knew in your heart of hearts that this was going to end badly. But that said, Melissa, it ended, as it relates to the report, worse than I could have imagined. I mean, just worse than I could have imagined. It ended, but still has not ended because there's still not a resolution. Uh, but, but let's go back a little bit because I do think that it's interesting for our listeners to hear the context. You were tapped, was it back in 2014, uh, by the governor to help launch something called the Women's Equality Party, yes. Yes. which some cynics at the time saw as a ploy by Governor Cuomo to try to compete with the Working Families Party with whom he was at odds at the time uh, politically. Over the past six or seven years, you've been one of his most vocal supporters and defenders specifically on women's issues. Do you regret having been such a vocal supporter and, and surrogate for him on women's issues? So let me answer that question in two ways. You know, you talked to, about me being a senior advisor to the governor, which I was, and I worked exclusively on the piece of a piece of legislation around cracking down on rape and sexual assault on college campuses. We got that passed. I don't regret in any way, shape or form. I am incredibly proud that we got that bill passed into law and proud of the survivors voices that I helped to elevate in that conversation. You know, I, I don't regret the substance of the work that I think moved women's and girls issues forward, but mm -hmm. I really do feel like I was manipulated and misled by the governor. I believed he was one of the best allies for women and girls in the country. I really, really did. And now to find out he's nothing more than a hypocrite, I, I don't think of myself as naive politically, but I feel like I must have been even though I'm proud of, of many of the results. You mentioned, Chris, that you're not naive. And of course, I've covered you really closely over the years as council speaker and for many years before that. You don't miss much. So my question for you is what elements, if any, of the toxic workplace that's described in the attorney general's report did you witness? Because everybody you know, in Albany will say that it's been a sort of open secret of this administration for years now. What did you witness? Do you regret? Is there anything you saw that you now regret not, you know, right. renouncing? You know, I, um, when I was a uh, uh, senior advisor, didn't spend a ton of time uh, in the office and I really didn't see anything. And everybody basically, you know, left me alone and I was kind of off in my office by myself. And it was only a six or eight month period of time I did that. And when I was speaker, no offense to my friends who work in Albany, I tried to spend as little time in Albany as I could uh, for a host of different reasons. So I never really saw anything, but that speaks to the skill of an abuser. Abusers like Andrew Cuomo are smart and they're not gonna do things in front of people like me who they know would report them in a heartbeat. Chris, um, Governor Cuomo has argued that Attorney General Letitia James is somehow politically motivated in this endeavor. 
I should make it clear, as you mentioned before, that she also put two really seasoned investigators in charge of this case, right? Um, But there is talk, as you know, around New York State about whether or not Tish James is planning to mount a run for governor. You know Letitia James well. You guys served in city government together. First, do you know whether that's something that she is considering? And can Letitia... Okay, and can Letitia James possibly run for governor of New York State without at the same time damaging the credibility of her report? Look, first, let me just say, I think the governor saying that this report is about politics and about Attorney General James wanting to run for governor is the sign of someone who is literally drowning in their own mistakes. There is nothing to indicate, and it is offensive that he has said that. There's nothing to indicate that Tish, this has anything to do with what Tish may or may not want to do politically moving forward, of which I don't know. This is but clear. would it taint the results of the report or at least raise the question in the public if she were to decide to run? Would uh, people wonder about her motivations? I don't know if she's going to run. I don't think so. I don't think so because it's such a thorough report. It's 11 women. And because the two lawyers are so highly regarded, you know, I I don't think so. Last question, knowing, knowing the governor as well as you do, how do you think this is going to play out? Is he going to hang on until the bitter end? Is he waiting for the phone call from Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty to tell him, look, the impeachment's happening? How, How does this play out? You know, the best thing that could happen is if he had resigned yesterday for the good of the state. But Andrew Cuomo has one gear and it's fight and it's fight to the end. And I think he's going to continue to do bad things, bad things here. And I think he's going to fight too hard and too long into impeachment, whether he stops once the impeachment starts. You know, I don't know who wants to be the second governor impeached, but he will hang on too long. All right. Christine Quinn, thanks so much for being here with us. Good to see you. Good to see you. We want to thank you for listening, and we thank our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, Melissa Russo, filling in for David Ushery. Be sure to join us next week for The Debrief.